0: Good morning, everybody. Again, welcome uh, to Ridgeview on this sunny Sunday. We're so glad you have decided to uh, worship with us. My name is Alex Baird. I'm the lead pastor. And you'll see here, we're starting a brand new series today called Unstuck. And uh, the idea of unstuck is you have to have kind of an understanding of what it means to be stuck. And I was thinking through my own life of times that I've been stuck just with challenges. And I'm like not the most handy person. So anytime I have a work project, I find myself, if I'm trying to fix something, I, I get stuck. Recently, uh, my daughter got a new bike, and literally a pedal was stuck that we needed to replace. And uh, I found myself with, with the tools and trying to fit it around the bolt that needed to get loosened. And with bikes, sometimes you're like, is it the right direction normally? Because it sometimes is backwards when you do pedals. If you know bikes, you know what I'm talking about. And realize I didn't have the right tools. And then as I'm cranking on the pedal, what do pedals do? They cause the wheels to move. So I'm literally trying to do something as the bike is moving forward. And, you know, I'm like looking around seeing like, are the neighbors watching this comic relief? And so I'm trying harder. And so what I usually do is if it's not working, I just figure like try harder. And then it will just work and that doesn't usually work, and so I keep cranking. And so the, the, the ratchet slips, and then like I, my knuckles are, are bloody, and then I decide to straddle the wheel so the bike can't move, and then my shins are bloody from the, from the pedal, and the pedal is just mocking me. And uh, I did what any good man would do. I threw the bike away. No, just kidding. I... <laughs> My daughter still has the bike, but what I did is I, I found somebody within our church and I said, "Hey, please take this problem and make it unstuck because I 'm weak and I cannot do it." And the person had it back to me within a few days, and it was all fixed. God bless our church, but this is kind of like how life can be in lots of areas now, uh, in that, I had a lot of sweat and I had uh, blood, uh, no tears, thankfully, right? It may have been close, but uh but that's how life can feel when we're stuck. Oftentimes, uh, it may not just be a project. It could be things that are weighing on us where we, we, we try to make progress. We see a solution and we keep trying and we use a lot of effort to try. Uh, but sometimes the more effort we use, uh, if we're not doing it the right way, it literally spins just like the bike and you can't get a firm grip on it. You can't do what you need to do and then you get discouraged. And so this series is all about the areas of our life where we really would like to make progress, and we've probably wanted to make progress in those areas for a long time, but we just find ourselves stuck. And so the promise of unstuck is so connected to our understanding of what it's like to be stuck. And for me in my life, I know i faced many challenges. My wife and I, we're, we've been married 20 years, we have three kids, and sometimes a parenting, I feel stuck. Right when you understand how to parent your child at their specific age, what happens they get older, and then it completely changes. And what worked that took you like six months to figure out only worked for three months, and now you have to shift and figure out a new strategy that you don't know. Have kids, though. It is good. Be fruitful and multiply, (laughs) but you got to work at it, and it's easy to get stuck. I also find that just in my finances, like inflation, you know, we talk about that. It's real. And you feel stuck sometimes financially. If you want to make progress, you make plans, then unexpected expenses come. And the plans that you had to give you a cushion for the future is now taken away. And you could feel stuck, like I'm in the same hole that I've been in the last few years. And then in our relationships uh, with people, we could feel stuck. Like we we try to make progress. It could be with those closest to us, even in our marriages. Uh, It could be with friends. It could be with family. But there's just this thing, like, where we just can't get past each other. We can't get past the conflict or the misunderstanding. And, And so in my life... In these areas, this is something that's constant. I'm always having to deal with those areas where I feel like I want to make progress, but I'm not. And you're here, and and you're probably facing similar things. Uh, The struggle and tension of life, uh, the responsibilities you have, they weigh on you, and you really are trying to do your best, but there's just times where you feel like you're falling short. And it literally does feel like you're trying to use a tool that doesn't work to loosen something in your life to get you unstuck, but you're in the same place. And so the idea of this series is not to act like we don't get stuck, because the reality is all of us do, but it's actually to admit it. And so I want to just set up helpful perspective for, for, for you and for me, and that is the understanding that God uh, meets you where you are in the middle of your stuckness. Is stuckness a word? People shake their heads no, but I think it is. It kind of rolled off the tongue in the middle of where you feel stuck. Because sometimes what we try to do, especially in church settings, uh, we try to show up and act like life is all together. And what happens is if you think your life's all together, then sometimes you fail to hear what God wants to tell you because you don't think you need to hear from God because your life's all together. And so if you find just in your life, there's areas where you feel stuck, uh, we're glad you're here because I think God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. He wants to help us. And so what I want to do today is I'm setting up the rest of the series We're going to be talking about this for eight weeks. So really, this is going to get us through most of the summer. But the idea is, how do we lean into the things that keep us stuck? And what you find in life, no matter the challenges that you face, oftentimes, it's not the external challenges that keep you stuck. It's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. The things that most of the time keep us stuck, you and me, is the things that we tell ourselves. It's the things that are within us, and it causes us to just not get progress. It causes us to keep living the same thing again and again. So to deal with being stuck, you actually have to deal with the core of you and the core of me. You actually kind of have to turn yourself inside out a little bit. Because so many times, it's not the external challenges. It's when we face those external challenges what we do. So we're going to be talking a lot about our, our hearts, what we believe what we think in our minds, how we see the world and how we think it works. So to get unstuck, you kind of have to get to the core of what it means to be human, full of all its challenges, and then full of all the challenges that we have inside of us, things that we tell ourselves. If you were to do an inventory of your thoughts on a daily basis, what kind of thoughts do you mull on a lot? I know for me, I can wake up, and before I realize it, negativity has already set in. The sun's out. Most people be like, it's beautiful, it's sunny day. I'm like, ah, it's already hot. I'm melting, right? Like, you feel like that. So on the inside, how you say things impacts what you do. So what I wanna do is I wanna talk about a lot of the things that we struggle with on the inside, thoughts that we tell ourselves, thoughts that we may have been told, thoughts that we see all around us, and how do we get past these? And so here's common thoughts that get us stuck and keep us stuck. The first is it's too hard. Anytime you face something that's hard, a common lie that you may think is it's too hard. If you think something is too hard, are you usually motivated to make progress? No. Because it's too hard. Why would you try? Now these thoughts, we're talking about this as as adults, young men and women, or student ministry, but, but it's also, this is what you learn at a really early age. No matter what age you are, it starts young, these kinds of thoughts. It's too hard. If you've ever parented a younger kid and you've challenged them to do something, it's like, too hard, Mommy. It's too hard, Daddy. And what you don't want to do is you're right. Give up and try again later. No, you want to actually help them because it's too hard can really stall us out. That's the first one. Uh, The second is I'm too tired. How many of you are tired today? And in about like 30 minutes, I'll see if that's true. <laughs> this is just such so good. I'm just meditating, <laughs> right? I've been to church. I know how it is. But sometimes you come to church, you're like, dude, I'm exhausted. This is the last day of the weekend. And then tomorrow it starts all over again. And you can easily find yourself being tired. There's no denying that you're tired. But notice this common word. That's where we get in trouble. Because I'm too tired means that I can't do what's expected of me because I don't have the energy to do it. We tell ourselves that. The Third, uh, it's not what I want. I face this a lot. There's all sorts of things that happen in life, and we say, you know, what? that's really not what I would have chosen to happen. It's not what I want. And because it's not what we want, we think then we shouldn't have to face it. And if you think you shouldn't have to face something, most of the time you don't. And so we can run away from challenges. We can run away from problems. We can even run away from people it's not what we want there's got to be more to life than just running from the things that we don't want right Uh, fourth it's not fair do you learn that at a young age i used to be a public school teacher and most of my days was dealing with students i taught fourth grade that just were in a world where they realized it wasn't fair like it's not fair like i was in line and they cut it did like i i didn't know we were going to do that my parents didn't tell me that that's not fair like any good teacher, I said, life's not fair. Go sit down. No, just kidding. I, <laughs> that's why I'm a pastor now, right? <laughs> no, but, but you learn that at a really, really young age. Like, it's not fair. And then you want to tell somebody about it. Find an adult. It's not fair. <laughs> but then as humans, like as adults, we kind of do that too. And we can throw our own tantrums. Like, that wasn't fair. They got promoted and I didn't. Didn't my boss see how hard I was working? right? That's the fourth. The fifth, I'm the only one. Ooh, now it's getting real. I'm the only one that has to face that. I'm the only one that that happens to. I'm the only one that's facing this difficulty that no one else has. I'm the only one that gets looked over. I'm the only one that misses out. When you think you're the only one, what tends to happen is you pull away. And before you know it, guess what? You are. Very interesting. Leads to a lot of isolation. The next one. It's not worth it. You don't know what's going to happen. You know it's going to be difficult. You know it's going to cost you. And so, what we decide is that the end of this is not worth it. Therefore, why even try? It's not worth it, and we we give up. So you can see, all of these tend over time. You lose heart. You talk about that, like in a coach like you you lose heart. That means you you stop momentum. You get this into your system, and you you can't let go of it. You get this into your world, into everything that that you face, and it's hard. Now, it's not too hard, but it is hard. But what you find with these, these are not just thoughts. Oftentimes, these are followed by intense emotions, and it's oftentimes the emotion that really gets us. Uh, For instance, uh, if you think something is too hard, Oftentimes, the emotion that follows there is discouragement. It's too hard. I'm discouraged. I cannot do it. Discouragement is a very powerful emotion. I faced periods in my life where I was really discouraged, and discouragement is like a weight of bricks that is on you, and you just feel difficult to look up because you're so discouraged. And discouragement gives way to depression, and you can face many dark days. But oftentimes, that comes from these common thoughts that you believe are true and therefore lead to these strong emotions and realities that really are hard to shake. Another one is it's not fair. You've experienced a strong emotion of pity. Like it's just heavy on you. You begin to feel sorry for yourself or your situation, and that pity weighs on you just like discouragement does. And so it's not just the lie or these common thoughts. It's the emotion that follows it. And so in this series, we want to deal with how do we counter each one of these. And so this is going to be each week of this series. So tomorrow, not tomorrow, don't come here tomorrow. <laughs> Next Sunday, we're going to start on It's Too Hard. How do you counter and get unstuck from that? So what I want you to do just right now, look at this list and write down. If You're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes. That's help, that helps you remember. There's a listening guide in your, in your program. Write down which one, when I said it, you're like, that's me. Now, try not to say that's my spouse, right? Like, that's easy. Uh, But but which one do you tend to struggle with the most? Just write that down. I think it will be helpful as you you identify that. Take like 10 seconds to do it. And some of you are like, man, this is too hard. It's too early. It's not fair. I don't want to do this. And just identify that one. Everyone got theirs? Some of you? Okay. Well, here's the good news. Again, God has always been in the habit of helping stuck people. I want to say that again. God has always been in the habit of helping stuck people. So if you feel stuck, he wants to help you. But what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit context-wise because the Bible gives us categories that you cannot find outside of Scripture. Uh, The scriptures are actually talked as the revealed word of God. What that means is if God didn't tell us it, we would not know it. It's very important if you're investigating Christianity what it means to follow God. There's things that he's told you in his word that you wouldn't know. So the scriptures provide understanding that you can't get unless you read them. So here at Ridgeview, what we're always trying to do is look at the scriptures. Why? Because if God has revealed it and we wouldn't know it, then without it, we're left perplexed. And that's a picture of our society right now. Everyone knows the problems. Everyone can identify these within them, but they don't know what to do with it. And that's where God helps because he's revealed through his word, brought into darkness, the light of his word that illuminates what we can do. But I want to give some context of what the scripture has revealed of where these common thoughts, really these lies, where they come from. And there's always three sources of sin. So if these are lies, these are sin. Like if you own these, you're on a dangerous path. And so I want to talk about just three enemies that the Scripture talks about. Now, if you're new to church, you don't know much about the Bible, these enemies may be new to you. But I want to tell you these because if God's told us this and we didn't know it, it's really helpful to know. Because if you're like me, like we, we want to know things we don't know so we can grow. And so here's the three categories of where uh, lies generate from. The first is, is the world. And uh, the world at large is really defined by a culture as a whole. In the world is the media and its messages. In the world is popular opinion, the definition of success, Anything that culture and humans come together and say, this is the right way to live, and this is the right way to do it. The issue with the world is sometimes there can be very noble things, but you don't have to look long to realize there's also a lot of half-truths. The world may tell you something like, follow your heart. The problem is, what if your heart is deceiving you? The world doesn't have a category for follow your heart, unless your heart's deceiving you, and then don't follow your heart. And then what do you do? We don't know because we just said, follow your heart. Don't know why I'm doing this, but it felt right in my heart, right? (laughs) But the world has a lot of that, messages that sound good, but anytime the world tells you something in whatever form it is and what's popular and what's cool, take that to its logical conclusion down a path and say, where will I end up if I follow that in 10 years? In 15, in 20, and 30, like where will I end up? Even the idea of just do what makes you happy. What if you do what makes you happy, but that makes someone else unhappy? Well, that's their problem. Well, what if you live with that's their problem as your mantra? Where will that end you up in 20 years? The world has a lot of half-truths, but we, we have to test them. We have to ask it what will happen. What's the logical conclusion of following that advice? So the scriptures give us help. It actually tells us to not follow the world or the ways of the world do not conform to the world why because oftentimes it's maybe a little bit of truth but it's not fully true and that one degree of separation over a lifetime can lead us really off track that's helpful to know so that's one the world we all live in it we all soak it up like a sponge uh, number two uh, is the flesh what is the flesh that's you and that's me humans in the flesh these are things that we want the Scriptures actually define the flesh as originating in our heart that comes from sin. And why is there sin? The Scripture tells us because we've all gone our own way. The idea is we all want to be God so we can call the shots in our life. The Scriptures also tell us there's only one God. There's only one who has that role of creator of God, the Almighty. But in our hearts, there's oftentimes what we think we could do better. And how do we know that? Because God may tell us to do something, and we may not say it out loud, but inside we say, nah, I don't think that works. Like not in today's world. Like I can't really do that. And so again, we kind of do our own thing. Uh, the scriptures actually really define what's in our hearts, especially in our flesh, and, and the scripture defines it as like we're we're sad people, not just like but there's selfishness, the S, there's arrogance, the A, and there's damaging, like there's times where if people do something that blocks us, we don't want to hurt them, but we, we will. We know that, right? Why? And I say this a lot. If you drive on a freeway, it's the picture of the flesh, right? You ever been behind somebody and they're going the speed limit and you're mad at them? How dare you follow the law, speed it up, the flow of traffic, flow of traffic, flow of traffic, Right? Somebody's merging and you're merging you kind of like oh you you want to you want to play like and everyone has a different idea of the merging well I'm on the freeway you're like yeah but get out of the way cuz I'm coming right it, it's in us and there's a lot of things that we generate ourselves what it is is we want to tell ourselves what we think is true based on what we want and do you think humans come up with all sorts of ways to get what they want absolutely Again, that starts at a young age. Toddlers can be very sophisticated, right? They're like problem solvers. Mom and dad said, I can't go there. But they said go there like in a straight line. But if I go around, I'm good. And you're like, how did you think of that? Because we, we we're good at getting what we want. So that's, that's the flesh. And then the third, this category we don't talk about a lot, but you will see it in movies. Like there's always a push to like evil, the devil. Like there's a part of us which we're, we can be fascinated by it. But we have to move beyond fascination because the devil is actually our biggest adversary, the biggest enemy that we have. And no matter where you are, whether you're a Christian or not, he is your enemy and you are his period. And, and he is is real. Uh, also known as Satan, uh, he can actually bring thoughts to you. He can bring emotions to you. He can bring things that you can think are yours, but they're not. One of the most freeing things I learned in my life was that there is some things that I think that aren't true that maybe didn't even come from me. Just a sense of things. An idea. So don't just believe because you had a thought, it's from you. The world can give you that. You can give you that, the flesh. But then there are some spiritual forces of evil. The scripture describes in the heavenly realms that wages war on all the world. And so the enemy wants to keep you stuck. Wants to keep me stuck. And this is not new. But what the enemy wants to do is oftentimes he's running the world. So the world values are opposite of God. And so the current of culture pulls us in a direction that leads us away from God. And so he leads that effort. And then oftentimes the way of the world that is in the current opposite of God uh, appeals to us. Because again, what's in our hearts? And so the three of these together are very powerful enemies. But if you don't know that and you just think whatever thought I have or whatever sense or whatever I feel, if you just think life is about following it, you'll spend your decades and your weeks and your months and your days going from one ditch to the other because it's very dangerous. But with God's help, he identifies, he helps us, his word speaks, and then he gives us help. So what I want to do right now is Describe how this has happened uh, in the past. And we're going to focus on this idea that God provides all we need to get unstuck. The reason this is important is because if you don't think he can help you, again, you won't turn to him. Now, this is not something you just have to believe because I told you. But if you don't follow God in his ways, the question you need to ask yourself is, in all the ways that I've ever tried to get unstuck, am I really free? Like, am I free from that? Like, am I making the progress? Or do I feel like I get unstuck and then I get tangled up again? And I make progress and then I take steps back again. So whatever method you find yourself in, the question is, like, is it, is it working? Like, are you making that progress? And I want to encourage you, wherever you are, if you can turn to God and say, you know what, I don't know all about you fully. I don't know how everything's going to work out in my life. But I want to get to this point where I actually believe this is true. When you do that, that's, that's what faith is. You don't know how it's going to work out. But you know how you've worked it out so far, and it's not worked. So you get to a point where you say, God, I need you. I surrender to you. I need to do life your way. And then that's why his revealed word is so helpful, because he gives us instruction. So I want to talk a little bit, before I read the scripture, of the Old Testament in the book of Joshua. Uh, In the scriptures, there's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. And Joshua became a leader of the Israelites, God's chosen people, after Moses. You've heard of Moses? Burning bush, God spoke to him to free the Israelites from the Egyptians. And Moses was Israel's leader. He was like the man for many, many years. He had taken them out of slavery. He was going to take them to the promised land, but he himself was not going to get to go. And so he had been with the Israelites, through many seasons, through many challenges, external, internal. And Joshua was taking over. So if you could imagine all of the things that you would face if you're taking over from the most well-known leader of the time. that's not saying like you have big shoes to fill or big sandals in those days. But it'd, it'd be overwhelming. I don't know if you've ever done something and you've found yourself comparing yourself to others. Comparison is something that plagues us all. And I'm sure Joshua, this next leader, was just thinking, like, how am I going to do this? Moses has all of this history. And Joshua had been there and supported him, and now he has to step into that role. I imagine just all of the dread that you would face, all of the, the feelings of, like, you're not good enough, you're not measured up, like, you can't do this task. If Moses couldn't do it, how could I do it? So all of these things were happening to Joshua at this time. And he knew to take the promised land that God had given to the Israelites, they were actually going to face many battles. And the title of this sermon is called Battleground because oftentimes when we have to make progress and we have to do what God has commanded us to do, it is entering a battleground where there's a mix. There's things that you don't want to do, you feel like you can't do, and you don't know how you're going to do it. So, In this sense, as he's talking to Joshua, this is literal battleground that he's going to face. Terrible adversaries, unknown opposition. Some that he did know; he had had first-hand accounts in history. Like he'd seen these giant, strong men, and now he's the man to lead the people to fight. So tremendous odds that stacked against God's people. So you can imagine Joshua himself is thinking, "It's you know, it's too hard. These people are big and strong. Uh, it's not fair. Uh, we shouldn't have to fight." right? If God says, it's your land, shouldn't it just happen? Why do you have to fight for a promise that God's given you? Like, that's not fair. Um, I'm too tired. If you've been wandering in the desert for years and years and years, I walk out of my front door in Fontana, I'm like, this is kind of hot. Like, this past week, we were doing sports camp, and it was like, you step out, and you're like, whoa, that's, I'm tired. Let's go back inside. But there. We got to do it. You got to you got to push through it. It's t- too tired like it, it's real. I am the only one you could imagine Joshua telling himself. Moses is gone. The person he looked up to, the person he'd been with. And now he's on his own leading the people. That's a tremendous responsibility. And then it's not what I want. You don't ever want to go into a battle. You don't want to face that. You don't ever w- really want to do hard things. And So you can imagine all of these things that Joshua was experiencing, but God reminded him, I will provide all that you need to get unstuck. So I want to dig into the passage and then I'm going to break it down. Let's start. So here is what God tells Joshua Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Okay, any words stand out to you? Right? Kind of like, okay, this is God starts, so just give him his commands. then in verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Any repeating of words here. Always pay attention to Scripture. If it repeats, it's really important. There's an emphasis. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Then it goes on in verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And then verse 9, it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So on your, your listening guide, you'll see that scripture as well. And I encourage you, that's helpful. We print out the listening guide every week so you have the scripture that you can look at. So, if you want to look look at that and take a look, but even from what you just heard, what words stand out to you from that? Yell it out. Strong, courageous. Wow, that was like a unified. Did we did we practice that? Like anything else? Strong, courageous. God is with you. Anything else? I've commanded you. Meditate daily. Be careful. You'll have success. Don't be frightened. Very interesting. All that Joshua was facing, God says, listen, you may be completely empty of any idea of what to do. You may be stuck. You may be confused. You may be overwhelmed. But in this passage, you find the heart of God. He comes alongside to give strength and to give courage. He gives your word so you know how to move forward. God provides all that we need to get unstuck. Something that we all have to learn about God in the Christian life, no matter where you are, is that you don't have to generate the power within you to solve your problems. That's actually one of the biggest lies of the world. You have to do it yourself. Why is that such a lie? Well, within yourself, you have a limited amount of power and a limited amount of understanding. And you know that when you face the problem that's beyond you. So what God is saying is it's not the power within you that you rely on or that should help you. It's the power within me, and I will give that to you. So I want to focus on a few things. Uh, Next slide there, you'll see with God's help, we can peel away lies. So God helps us. And there's two main emphasis that you see in this passage. The first is to be strong. This comes from the Hebrew word hazak. Everybody say hazak. It's like you're Hebrew sch- scholars. And if all it fills with Hebrew at the end, you just go hazak. And then people are like, oh, you're fluent? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Splash zone. Sorry about that. Um, be strong. Hazak. What to be strong means is to keep a strong grip on your responsibility no matter what happens. So God is telling Joshua, Hazak, my son. Hazak, Joshua. Keep a strong grip on your responsibilities. Uh, My daughter is is learning how to drive. And uh, you remember when you learn how to drive, it's like you have the greatest grip of the steering wheel ever. It's like, that's the thing you get down. It's like 10 and two, or maybe that's like adjusted, but it's like, and then like, you know, you get to an adult, you've been driving for years, it's like maybe a finger. You know you do it, a knee if you're eating. You know, it's like, right? It's like, it's amazing. I can just turn and I... You ever been driving by something you're like, what? Is that a buffet? What are you doing? And then like you're going through the Del Taco drive through yourself, you know? But be strong is just like when you're learning to drive. It's like you've got to have those hands on. And when you're learning, it, you take it seriously, like you're, you're not even like you're, you're not even sure you want to take your hand off. You're locked on. Why? Because you realize the great responsibility that you have. You're driving something that has a lot of weight and can cause a lot of damage, and so you need to keep that grip. That's like the first thing that you learn. And it's the same with our responsibilities. God's given you things to do, in the scriptures that's called your stewardship. If you're a parent, you got to keep a strong grip on your parenting. If you're married, you need to keep a strong grip on your marriage. You can't let things go. If you work, God's given you that responsibility. you got to keep a strong grip on your responsibilities. You can't let it go. So to be strong isn't the power within you, but it's you got to make sure you keep a grip. Because oftentimes what happens when you think you're too tired or when you think it's not fair, what starts to happen? You take the grip off. So God is telling Joshua and he's telling us if you want to get past those lies the first tendency is you want to drop things right the biggest struggle we have the more we want to pull away the more we want to back down the more we want to run and it's the opposite you actually have to lean in you have to be strong in God's strength so that's hazak to be strong the second is to be courageous amats everyone say amats amats You've got to be Courageous, and that means regardless of how you feel, act with courage and bravery. Okay, I just want to point out the difference between the world and what Scripture is saying here. Be strong, be courageous. Regardless of how you what? The world says, whatever you feel is what you do. Whatever you feel is what you do. Actually, to be courageous means regardless of the emotion that's pulling you in a direction, do not do it. It's the opposite. That's why we need something outside of the world to guide us. But regardless of how you feel, act with courage and bravery. That's amats. You gotta be strong and you gotta be courageous. That's how you make progress. And then the third, actually, sorry, before I do that, I, I think there's a couple words in here, or maybe there's not, but there's two in that passage. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. So be courageous, don't be frightened, don't be dismayed. Now, frightened Uh, means that you're you're dreading something oftentimes we think frightened we're like okay i'm not like like shaking about this but have you ever felt dread that's frightened you don't want to move forward you're dreading it so don't give in to dread don't be frightened and then dismayed um the idea is is it's that discouragement you can't do it it's not worth it it's not fair and so God, knowing all that Joshua is facing and all the challenges that he's gonna have, not only externally, but again, on the inside, because that's where the real battle is. He's telling him, listen, keep a strong grip. Move forward despite what you feel. And then when that dread comes and that discouragement comes, you have to push through. And then you may ask, well, how, how do you find that strength? And then how do you find that courage? How do you do that? You know, people have been asking that question since the existence of humans. And there's all sorts of songs, and there's all sorts of books, and there's all sorts of ideas and movies about that. But actually, it's what comes next that gives us the answer. And that's the next key word. And that is to be careful. Everybody say shamar. Okay, so Hebrew class today, hazak, amatz, shamar. Be strong, be courageous, and then the last is be careful. Be careful. Carefully follow God's word. Do not deviate in the slightest. So if you want to know where courage comes from and you want to know how you have strength, you have to be careful. It's actually the last that fuels the first two. Very counterintuitive, right? Because most of the times somebody tells you to be strong, you're like, okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna pull up my bootstraps even though I don't wear boots and I don't even know what that means, right? But that's like heavy in our culture. You can do it, be strong, be courageous. But very few actually wanna do what God says. You do what God says in his way and his timing, you get strength and you get courage. I'm so glad God said this because I don't get this within me. I can't intuit that. If I fail again, I'm just gonna try harder. But then I don't have the courage and the strength that God gives because it only comes from being careful. So does that make sense? Those three things are key to the battle. Just like God was with Joshua, he wants to be with us as we look to him, as we ask him for help. And so in closing, I just wanna give, how do you identify the attacks that you have and how do you fight? How do you fight in this battleground? The first is you you have to reject the lie. So how to fight. The first is reject the lie. So I gave you those common lies, right? Anybody remember one of them? It's too hard. So when you find yourself with that idea, that's the lie. That's the lie that's coming. It's too hard. Again, there could be some truth. It could be hard, but maybe it's not too hard. And so you need to identify, okay, there's this, this lie that I'm having. I'm mulling on it. This is too hard. And maybe because it's too hard, it's not what I want. And the, the lies kind of compound and they build on each other. So you have to identify that there's some thinking that you have is a little bit off. Now, full disclosure, there's oftentimes you don't know the lie because you've had it for so long. And that's what's so confusing. Because sometimes because you've thought it for so long, you just think it's true because you own it. And this is where the church helps this is where getting around people who walk with God and are mature because they can help. If you're just like, man, I'm struggling. I keep stuck here. I don't know what to do. Sometimes it's like, well, what, what's causing you to think that? What are you seeing that's making you so discouraged? And sometimes you just tell people things that it's going on and you have to actually be humble and you have to open up. And as you do, people are like, well, you know what? Part of that is that thought right there. Like that's, that's not true about who you are. That's not true about who God is. And so sometimes you need help to identify the lie. But whether you can or whether you need help, you got to do that first. Identify the lie. The second, got to identify and reject it. The second is you have to replace it with the truth. You can't just let this void be there because usually another lie will be there. If you don't fortify the lies with truth, other lies fill it. That's how life works. Because we're susceptible because of our hearts, because of the world, and because of the devil. So... If you know that you're facing too, you know something too hard, then you have to remember. Well, well didn't God say to Joshua to be strong and courageous, and that He will be with me? Didn't He tell Joshua that? So, if He's going to be with Joshua, could He be with me? Could He help me? Understanding that God is with you—that truth—does that help you fight the lie? Absolutely, because if the Almighty is with you, is anything too hard for Him? No. Scriptures actually say that. Nothing is too hard for him. So if you have the person leading you forward that nothing is too hard for, can you face whatever flows through his hand? Yeah. Rejecting the lie, replacing it with the truth, is the key to the fight. And then the last is this. you got to refuse to give up. You refuse to give up. To give up, you say, God will come through for me. He will help. Um, When I face fear, just part of how this works is when you face fear for something. Psalm 27.1, this isn't on the screen, but Psalm 27.1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So when you face fear, sometimes irrational fear and fear that weighs so heavy on you. Psalm 27.1. God has given us his revealed word that helps us fight the lies that we all face. If you feel depressed, Psalm 42, 5. If you're frustrated with yourself, you beat yourself up a lot, Lamentations 3, 21 through 24. If you're worried about your finances, Hebrews 13, 5. I could go on and on and on. For every fear, for every lie, there's a promise of God to counter it. So if you really want to learn how to do battle, It really starts with rejecting those lies. And then getting to know God's word over time, reading it for yourself, soaking it in, letting God speak to you, and he will. And then not giving up. This is the battleground for how we get unstuck. This is the land for which God leads us forward to make progress. So no matter where you are as a church, we want to move forward together. And we do this actually in community. You can't do this by yourself. You need help. I need help. And so here at Ridgeview, we want to be committed. How do we keep moving forward and get unstuck together to really experience the promises that God has for us? So I want to just encourage you with some next steps. This is our way of saying, okay, all the time, if you come to church, you hear something, and you're like, great, and then you leave, and then it's just like, woo, you forget. But if you put something into action, uh, it's part of this battle, right? Because you're doing something. That's part of what God was commanding Joshua. You, you, you have to do. You have to be careful. So this is part of how we be careful. So if you've never memorized Joshua nine, you could start there. Scripture memory is always a good next step because it's getting the truth. It helps you reject the lie. So you may want to memorize that. That's in your listening guide. Uh, the second is identify a lie I'm, I'm, a, I'm fighting and ask God for help. The one that I told you to identify in the beginning, maybe that's where you need to start. And you may have never asked God for help. And you know what? It doesn't have to be anything special. You can say, God, will you help me? That's prayer. It's nothing extravagantly special in the words and what you say. It's just, God, will you help me? Because I feel like it's not fair a lot. Will you help me see things differently? I'm really struggling with it's not worth it. Will you help me see that it is right now in my life? You just ask him for help. And then the third is attend uh, the rest of the series and bring a friend. You never know what's going on in the lives of other people that have the weight of the lies. And sometimes just a simple invitation, like, hey, I'm going to this church. I just went last week. Even if it was your first time, I went last week for the first time. They're not that weird. I'm still here. You should come. God could use that. And so attend the rest as we dig into each one of these lies. So we want to help. We're so glad you're here. If I've not met you before, I'll be hanging out at the Next Step table after service. I'd love to meet you. Uh, In a moment, we're going to receive our offering, and uh, we hope, again, to see you outside Next Step table. Uh, Kona Ice Truck will be there, and uh, let's pray as we sing uh, one more song. God, we thank you for the help that you give. We thank you for the example of Joshua who, despite his weaknesses and despite all that he feared, You came alongside him and gave him the help that he needed, and it's the same help that we need. So God, thank you for giving us your strength and the courage and the carefulness and your word which we can actually follow. I pray for anyone here who's really just feeling stuck. God, will you overwhelm them with your grace right now? Will you overwhelm them with the help? that you want to give. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.